Hello and welcome to the I Can Do podcast with Benjamin Lee. We're here to talk about tips and strategies to have an I Can Do mindset. Life is what you put into it. Get the most you can. Here's your host, Benjamin Lee. It is always good to worship our great God in heaven. Thank you so much for being here. I hope and pray that you have your Bible. We are going to be studying from the Word of God this morning. To those who are visiting, thank you for being here. May God bless each and every one of you. If you're interested in a Bible study, please let us know. We'd love to study the Holy Scriptures with you. Beautiful songs that we have uh, sung to one another and to our Father in heaven to remember about Casting our cares to God and not to not to worry, not to be consumed with worry. And that fits perfectly with what I'm going to be talking about this morning. If there is something that truly is a waste of time, uh, bad use of time, it is worry. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to talk about this morning how to stop worrying and how to start living. Jesus would remind us in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 27. And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? Worry typically does not bring anything good, but rather it can bring things that are even bad or worse in our lives, if not careful. And the Bible says a lot about worry and how we handle worry and who we are supposed to be and how we are to live with faith and confidence and our Heavenly Father. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. It can be easy for us sometimes to be consumed with the cares of this world. There's a warning even in the parable of the sower and how the cares and worries of this world can choke the Word of God in our hearts. And so this is something that all of us need to understand. How can we live? And is it possible to live a life without worry? To walk by faith and to trust in what God has to say. As we begin this study this morning, I want us to consider a couple of thoughts. Number one, I want us to talk a little bit about this idea of worry. When we think about this word worry, it's the idea it means to be anxious, to be troubled with cares. If you have your Bible, turn over to Proverbs chapter 12, verse number 25. In Proverbs 12 and verse number 25, we are reminded that worry or anxiety weighs the heart down. In Proverbs 12 and verse number 25, notice what the Bible has to say here. And I'm turning there with you as well. The Bible says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. That's what worry does. And we all understand this to be true. It can weigh us down. When you think about this idea of worry, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 30 about not worrying about tomorrow and considering uh, the grass and the lilies of the field and the birds of the air and how much more he will take care of us. He said, you of little faith. So worry is often a result of little faith. Dictionary.com has an interesting uh, definition. Worry is one tormenting themselves with disturbing thoughts and that is a disturbing thought to really consider but that's what happens when we worry about something right we can become so consumed with the matter to the point that sometimes we refer to individuals who are in a state of worry they're constantly thinking about some situation or person or event and this is the danger when it comes to worry when you think about worry This is something else that we need to think about as well, is that it can shut out God. 
Because instead of going to God with our cares or with our anxieties, we try to take care of everything ourselves. We try to figure everything out on our own. And that is a very dangerous thing to do as well. And so when you think about worry, worry is something the Bible says quite a bit. Now, how do we make the distinction between worry and concern? And we've already said that worry can lead to to negative actions. We can make poor choices when it comes to worry or as a result of worrying about something. So what's the distinction? Because in the Bible, we do find examples of people who had great concern about things. One of the best ways maybe to show a distinction between worry and concern is the shift with what we do maybe with those cares or those anxieties. And that's something I think that is important for us. And the Apostle Paul gives us a great example. I like this quote here where it says, The difference between the two, between worry and concern, is how we face the trouble. How you handle a situation and how you think about it is where the distinction can be made. Look over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We've been studying from 2 Corinthians in our Bible class on Wednesday nights. And one of the things that Paul did in chapter 6, and we will see that he will do it again in chapter 11, he he makes this long list of the, the challenges that he has faced in his life. And one of the things that he talks about was not just the the persecution in the world, but also the care, the deep concern that he had for the churches. In 2 Corinthians 11 and verse number 28, the Bible says, Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure. So think about that. A daily pressure on me, my translation says, of concern of all the churches. Uh, These words are closely related when you look back in the Greek, uh, coming from the same root word with worry and concern. But notice, Paul, what did he do with that concern? Look over in Philippians chapter 1. In Philippians chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, Paul didn't just sit in that concern or in that particular state and, and do nothing and be consumed by it. Rather, what we find is that he's praying for these churches. He's going to be helping these churches. He's going to be sending Timothy and Titus and himself. He's going to go and visit these churches to help them. Philippians 1 and verse 2 and 3, the Bible says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. Notice he said, always offering prayer. He's praying and he prayed for these brethren. Look at Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 9. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 9. Notice the action that Paul took. He didn't shut God out of these concerns or with the concerns that he had. Instead, he turned to God. And that is something very important for all of us to consider. Colossians 1 and verse 9, the Bible says, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. See what Paul did? He went to God. He, he prayed for these brethren. Yes, he had concern for them, and rightly so, because the evil one was tempting them. False prophets had crept in. And Paul was seeking to do as much as he could to help these Christians who were in need. And so when you think about concern, a distinction maybe we can make is, what do we do when these concerns or anxieties arise? How do we handle them? In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 7, remember what Peter said here. 
And we sang a song, I believe, that really talks about what Peter uh, shared with the Christians here. This letter reminds you, uh, I will remind you that this letter in First Peter is really a letter of suffering. He talks so much about suffering, and these Christians were going through some form of suffering. And yet notice what he said in verse number 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. Listen to what he says in verse 7. Here's something you can write down and do today. All of us can do this today. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. There's something that each of us can do today. Cast your cares to God. God is big enough to handle our cares. He's big enough to handle our concerns. And yet worry sometimes can still consume us. And what I want to do with the rest of our time, I want us to think about worry in in three different time frames. Because sometimes we can worry about things that have happened in the past that have already happened. And we can worry about things that are currently happening at this very moment. And we can worry about things that haven't even happened. And I think a lot of the worry that we have, it isn't interesting in Matthew 6. Jesus says, do not worry about what? Tomorrow. Are we already in tomorrow? We may already be in tomorrow. And there's a danger with that. So how do we handle the worries that fall into these different time frames? Let's talk about how do we stop worrying about the past? And how can we start living? Because the truth is, once we eliminate this worry and hand things to God and respond the right way, then we can really live for the Lord. We can seek his will even more. We can be the servants that he desires for us to be, to worship him even more, to help one another. Let's talk about this. There's one big example that when I think about worrying about the past, I think sometimes as Christians, one of the biggest worries that we have are maybe the sins that we have committed in the past and whether or not we have truly been forgiven by God. Have you ever struggled with this? You committed some sin, you confessed that sin and repented of that sin, and yet maybe that still consumes you even today. And maybe you even worry about, has God truly forgiven me? A lot of times we can live in the past, and living in the past is not going to help us out today. And there's one big example that I want to share with you. If you turn back to the Old Testament, please, look over in Second Samuel, that I think gives us some insight about how to stop worrying about the past with respect to sin in particular. In Second Samuel chapter 12, the story of David and the adultery that he committed is a story that many of us are familiar with. It wrecked his family. Life-changing consequences as a result of that. He needed a wake-up call, and the prophet Nathan was the one that went to him and would tell him, you are the man. In verse 7, Nathan then said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, It is I who anointed you king over Israel, and it is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. He's going to be reminded about what God had done for him. In verse 12, Indeed, you did it secretly, talking about this affair that he had, this adultery that he committed, but I will do this thing before all Israel and under the sun. Earlier, he talked about consequences that were going to come his way in verse number 11. In verse 13, then David said to Nathan, I have sinned. So he had to acknowledge his sin. 
He had to recognize, yes, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against the Lord. And when he says that, clearly he had sinned against Bathsheba and Uriah. And yet he's emphasizing that what he has done has gone directly against God. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has taken away your sin and you shall not die. I want you to focus on that passage right there. Nathan said, God has taken away your sin and you shall not die. That is something very important because David, he had sinned. And yet what we find is that David would trust what Nathan said. He believed with the way that he's acting, yes, my sins have been forgiven. Look over in Psalm 32 real quickly. And then we'll come back here. In Psalm 32, David understood about, here's how you take care of your sin. And when there is sin that we have not repented of, confessed to God, we, we need to address that. And we need to address it today, not tomorrow. We need to take care of it right now. Look at what David said in Psalm 32, verse 1. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. And in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin. And when we do that, that will never work out. My body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. You know, the hand of the Lord was on Nehemiah. And Nehemiah was blessed. But the hand of the Lord was upon David. And it was heavy upon him. Because David knew what he had done was wrong. There was no denying it, even though he was lying to himself. And so now the hand of the Lord is heavy upon him. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. And that's what sin does. Sin is designed to look appealing to us, but in reality, it just wrecks our lives. It takes away this vitality, as he said, like the fever heat of summer. Notice what he did in verse 5, though. I acknowledged my sin to you. That's what we must do. And my iniquity I did not hide. He hid it from Uriah. He hid it from his men. He hid it from Israel. But he could not hide it from God. And brothers and sisters, you and I cannot hide our sins from God. We can lie to ourselves. We can deny. We can seek. We can hide. We can run. We can flee. Whatever. But God sees our sin. We can't ignore our sin must be handled the proper way and if you're not a christian let me just say this if you have not obeyed the gospel then you're you still remain in your sins and you need to be forgiven of your sins redeemed by the blood of jesus christ david acknowledged he said i acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity i did not hide i said i will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. What did David understand about his sin? God has forgiven me. In Psalm 38 and verse number 18, I'm reading from the New American Translation. I may read a little bit differently in verse number 18. Psalm 38 and verse number 18, David said, For I confess my iniquity, I am full of anxiety because of my sin. And that's where a lot of worry comes in. That's what sin will do. It will bring a lot of anxiety and worry. It's hard to live a double life. You can't do it. It's hard to hide and have all these secrets throughout the years. No. We need to confess that to God and be right with our Father in heaven. Well, David did that. 
And David was also told by Nathan that God had forgiven him. You go back to 2 Samuel chapter 12. God told David through Nathan, the Lord has taken away your sin and you shall not die. So it didn't mean, though, even though his sin had been taken away and he had been forgiven, which he was forgiven by God, and David understood that, it didn't mean that there were not consequences. Of course there would be consequences. In verse 14, However, because this deed you have given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born to you shall surely die. And this is where it gets interesting. I want you to notice how David responded in this situation here, all right? So Nathan went to his house, verse 15. Then the Lord struck the child that Uriah's widow bore to David. And I always find it interesting. It says Uriah's widow, Bathsheba, right? That's how he talks about Bathsheba in the genealogy in Matthew 1. Uriah's widow or Uriah's wife. Uh, because the child was very sick. Verse 16. David therefore inquired of God for the child. And David fasted and went and lay all night on the ground. Why is David doing this? Well, he's doing it because perhaps God might change his mind. Uh, David saw, though, that as the time went on, that his servants were whispering together, in verse 19, and David perceived that the child was dead. So David said to his servants, is the child dead? And they said, he's dead. Why am I reading all this? I want you to see, David understood that he had been forgiven by God, and he had to trust that. He did what he could at that time to appeal to God by fasting and praying that the child might live. But God said, no, the child is going to die. And after he found out that the child was dead, I want you to notice what he did. Verse 20, David arose from the ground, washed, anointed himself, and changed his clothes. And he came into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he came to his own house. And when he requested, they set food before him and he ate. Then his servants said to him, what is this that you have done? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. But when the child died, you arose and ate food. Verse 22, he said, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who knows, the Lord may be gracious to me that the child may live. But now he has died. Why should I fast? Notice what he said in verse 23, can I bring him back? Can he bring him back? No. The child has died. I will go to him, but he will not return to me. Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba and went into her and lay with her. And she gave birth to a son. And he named him Solomon. Now the Lord loved him. How do we stop worrying about the past? Well, when we handle our sin the proper way that we're supposed to as children of God, we can be confident that when we do, that God will forgive us as he has promised. David was told that he was forgiven. And I want you to think about Christians today, those who have obeyed the gospel, those who are of the way. And First John, and this is one of the biggest things for us when it comes to worry and how to stop worrying, we need to trust in the promises of God. We need to believe him for we need to believe what God has to say. In first John chapter one, he's talking to Christians. Let me make that clear. In verse number nine, he said, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
That is something that we can be sure about. And that is how we can overcome worrying about whether or not have I truly been forgiven by God. Have we truly turned away from the sin? Have we confessed that sin to God? Are we seeking uh, to do His will? We can be confident then that, yes, He has forgiven me. Titus chapter 1 tells us that God cannot lie. Do you believe that? We can lie. God cannot lie. See, this is a matter of little faith. Yes, we've done some horrific things in the past. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But when we have obeyed the gospel, we have to believe what Mark 16, 16 says. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. You think about the Apostle Paul. Look over in Acts chapter 9. Remember when he was headed to Damascus? Uh, he had this encounter with Jesus. He would have come to understand that he was alive. He would pray and fast for a span of three days and three nights. He wasn't saved at that point. But when he obeyed the gospel, that's when he was saved. In Acts chapter 9 and verse number 18, the Bible says, And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized. And after he was baptized, he was saved, or as a result of being baptized. And now he begins to work with the brethren. But Paul understood his past. And how bad his past really had been. Because he talked about it in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Remember this? 1 Timothy chapter 1. And verse number 15. It is a trustworthy statement. Deserving full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Among whom I am foremost of all. How did he view himself? I'm the worst of the worst. Yet, for this reason, I found mercy. And he did find the mercy and grace of God. So that in me, as a foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. We could look at David, we could look at Paul, we could look at Peter, who lied about his relationship three times when Jesus died. And yet God was still able to use him. There were corrections that needed to be made. What's my point? How can we stop worrying about the past? In particular, our sins of the past. Have we handled the sin, our sins, the way that God demands that we do? If we have not, then we need to have some worry and concern. But if we have, and we've gone to God, and we've done what is necessary, then we can be confident that indeed we've been forgiven. I'm not saying that you're not going to have consequences. Not saying that other things aren't going to necessarily happen. But what I am saying is we can be confident in our God and that we can be confident that we are right with God. That's how we can stop worrying about the past. Trust what God has to say. If we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us. But what about today? How do we stop worrying today? Well, I got a number of things I want to say from the Word of God. So if you've got something to write with, here's a great opportunity to jot some notes down. You know, today brings a lot of cares and worries as well. Some of us may be worried about our children. Some of us may be worried about, are our children going to come back to the Lord? Health issues, financial issues, relationship issues. There's a lot to worry about. Our jobs, our careers, our businesses. What's going to happen? Finances with the recession. 
disease. How do we stop worrying today so we can start really living for God? Number one, stay in today. Look at how Jesus talked and instructed when he talked about prayer and teaching about prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, pray then in this way, he said in verse number 9, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Notice what he said next. Give us this day our daily bread. Stay in today, not the crusty bread from yesterday, all right, or future bread for tomorrow, like when God gave the Israelites manna, right? Just take enough for today. Stay in today. You don't have to get greedy, all right? There'll be some more bread for you tomorrow. Stay in today. Where are you right now? You in Tuesday? Wednesday? Christmas shopping? Some of you probably are. Stay in today. You may have that test coming up next month. Stay in today. Tomorrow's not even promised. You see, Jesus wants us to focus on today. That's why he would say in verse number 34 in the Sermon on the Mount, do not worry about tomorrow. Do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And notice when he says, give us this day our daily bread. Pray to God. That's how we can stop worrying today. We sing a song. We were talking about this. Take it to the Lord and take it back. That's not what the song says, right? Take it to the Lord and leave it there. But too many times we're taking all the cares and worries back. Stay in today. That's what Jesus says. Give us today our daily bread. He will provide for what we need. That's how you can stop worrying today. Matthew 6 and verse 33, seek first his kingdom and righteousness today, and all these things will be added to you. Uh, Seek him and his rule in your heart today, and every decision that you make today. We only have, what, 12 more hours in today, or 12 and a half more hours, but today let's seek after him, his rule and reign in our lives, his way, his will. That's how we can stop worrying about today. Number three, If you want to stop worrying today, cast your cares to God. This isn't something that's optional. Peter said, no, cast your cares to God. Not on Facebook, all right? Not on, uh, you know, being passive aggressive and, and making other, you know, beating other people up. No, you cast your cares to God. Cast your worries to God. Don't complain about your worries. Cast them to God. He's big enough to handle them. That's what we can do today to stop worrying you want to do another thing today you got plenty of time to do this today lay up treasures in heaven look at what jesus said in the sermon on the mount in matthew chapter 6 and verse number 19 do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It could be that we are consumed with worry and fear. Fear is that fuel that really drives this worry because we're so focused on our treasures on earth. Or accumulating more treasures on earth. But Jesus says, do not lay up treasures on earth. I think he's using a figure of speech and ellipsis. Do not merely have these treasures on earth. Of course, we can have possessions on earth. But that's not where the main focus is supposed to be. 
the main focus is supposed to be you lay up treasures in heaven. And he makes it clear in the, in the Bible how we can lay up these treasures in heaven. In, Ma- in Mark chapter 10, when you turn over there real quickly, remember he was talking to the, the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10. You know, these treasures can get in the way sometimes. And, and Jesus would tell this man in Mark chapter 10, who had been keeping the, the commandments of God from his youth up, <coughs> excuse me, he said in verse number 21 to the man, he felt a love for him and said to him, one thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. One of the ways that we can lay up treasures in heaven is by sharing and giving. And that's what he told this man here. But the man went away sad because he had much property. And Jesus would say, you know, it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And that applies even today. It's still hard for a rich man, a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God. Because these things can get in the way. We don't lay up treasures here on earth, but we lay up treasures in heaven. Look over in 1 Timothy chapter 6. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul would say something very similar to those who were rich in verse number 17. 1 Timothy 6 and verse number 17 Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. I think sometimes we kind of have this assumption of who the rich are today. But when you really start thinking about it, a lot of us are going to fall into this category of being rich and wealthy today. A lot of us are rich and wealthy, maybe not by the standards of the United States of America. When you look around the world, we're rich. We're wealthy. We have a lot. And so don't just think about the the, the certain people in in a particular tax bracket or salary that they are the only ones that need to hear about this. No, you think about this for yourself as well. Storing up, look at what he said in verse 18. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works. That's how you can lay up treasures in heaven. Be rich in good works. What are you doing with the possessions you have here? To be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. You want to stop worrying about today? Count your blessings, name them one by one. See what God has done. Store up treasures in heaven. Be generous and willing to share and assist others. That's how we can stop worrying and start living by seeing how blessed we really are. And giving more thanks to our Father in heaven. Here's what you can do today to stop worrying. Worry forces or causes us to kind of be in the state of chaos. And we almost become paralyzed. We think about this problem. We get consumed with this problem. But we don't do anything about it. Well, what if we took action with the problem or regarding the problem? Think about relationships. Jesus gives us instruction with how we should handle things when problems arise. In Matthew 5, verse 23 and 24, and this can create worry and anxiety and care. He would say in verse 23 and 24, Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, what's he say? Leave your offering there before the altar and go. There it is. You take action. What can you do today? with the worry or the cares that may be consuming and hindering you at this very moment. Well, Jesus said in this particular case, here's what you do. You go first, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. That's a great example of how we can handle worry today. 
Don't just think about it and stew over it. What else can we do about it? Yes, we go to God. And maybe we go to our brothers and sisters in Christ for counsel and wisdom. But take some kind of action today. Look over in Luke chapter 16, an interesting text where you have this uh, unjust steward in, in Luke chapter 16 or manager here and it says in verse number one now he was also saying to his disciples there was a rich man who had a manager and this manager was reported to him as squandering his possessions and he called him and said to him what is this i hear about you give an accounting of your management for you can no longer be manager the manager said to himself what shall i do since my master is taking the management away from me i'm not strong enough to dig i'm ashamed to beg this man had a problem What am I supposed to do? Well, I don't have the strength to do this. I don't have the strength to do that. But here's something I can do. I know what I shall do so that when I'm removed from the management, people will welcome me into their homes. And he summoned each one of his master's debtors. And he began saying to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. Now, what's interesting about this, and this is a whole nother sermon. He said his master praised the unrighteous manager because he acted shrewdly. For the sons of this age were more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. I find it fascinating that this man took action. He already saw the problem. But he didn't just sit there with the problem. What can I do to help alleviate this problem? Now, as we think about ourselves, obviously we have to do things according to God's will. That's in alignment with his word. But just worrying about something constantly and doing nothing about it is not going to make the worry go away. So what can we act upon today? Well, there's a lot that we can act upon just by looking at this list here. Can we stay actually in today? All we got to do is make it till bedtime. Can we just stay in today? And can we seek after God's will fully and completely? There's no balance with God. We try to balance our schedules and balance our lives. God says, no, I want all of you. I am first. I am priority number one. Not after you get done with college. Not after the wedding. Not after high school graduation. Not after you retire. Me, now, first. Seek me first. Seek my kingdom and my righteousness first. No balance with God. And that's the problem sometimes. Well, you know, I'll get to him eventually. No, that's not going to work. Act upon what you can do today. Because tomorrow is not even promised. Matthew 6 and verse 28, when Jesus spoke about worry, notice what he said. He said, I want you to observe some things. Verse 25, for this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Of course it is. But sometimes we think it's not. Right? And that's where our worries come in. It's not that we don't believe these promises of Jesus to be true here with what he's going to say, where he says, look at the birds of the air that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more worth more, much more than they? Well, we know we are. 
As one brother in Christ said, the problem is not what Jesus tells us with how he's going to take care of us with our food and clothing and shelter. The problem is he doesn't promise us the luxuries. Oh, boy. That's where the challenge comes in sometimes. He promises that he's going to take care of us. And you know what he says to do? One, you're wasting your time. Of who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And two, why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. Observe. Take some time and consider. Look at them. They do not toil, nor do they spin. You know what we need to do? We need to do a little bit more observing. Look around and see how God created everything. We're driving here today and we see these birds on the ground and they're looking for food. They're going to be okay. God's going to provide for them. How much more then will he provide for you? Made in his image. We need to observe his creation. And we need to do something else. We need to observe the word of God. If we, well not if, we all have 24 hours in a day. Let's say this. Anyone to get eight hours of sleep? Good, me neither. All right, but let's just say we got eight hours of sleep a day. That leaves us with 16 hours left. And let's say we work a full eight-hour day at work. Sometimes that's going to be a little bit more. But let's say, okay, that's eight hours of sleep, eight hours of work. That's eight hours left in the day. How long does it take you to eat your breakfast, lunch, dinner, and two snacks? I don't know if you eat fast. Maybe an hour, hour and a half. There's six hours left in the day. If you work out for an hour, that's five. What are you doing? What are we doing with the rest of our time? And we say we don't have time to read the Word of God? We have all the time in the world. We need to not only observe His creation, but observe His Word. We have plenty of time to consume, to feast. We need to be hungry and feed the hunger that we have is righteousness because that is only the only way we will be satisfied. That's what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. Observe His Word. Feast upon His Word. That is how we can stop worrying today because the more we think about His promises, the stronger our faith will grow And there will be no room for worry. You see, we cast our cares to God. We consider who He is. We pray to Him with boldness. We turn to Him and give Him the challenges that we are facing in our lives. Look over in Philippians chapter 4. Be anxious for nothing, verse 6, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Tell it to God first before you post it on Facebook. Tell it to God first. Give it to the Lord first, all right? And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Attention equals influence. And our attention needs to be on the promises of God. Here's a great exercise to do when you go home today or if you go out for lunch today. In the car, you talk to one another. If you're driving by yourself, that's okay. You talk to yourself, all right? But you ask yourself, okay, how many promises of God can I list? 
and you just go around the car. How many promises of God can you list? Our minds need to be on his promises. And we need to remember that he cannot lie. There is a promise. He cannot lie. Titus chapter 1. But we need to be meditating on his word and his promises and the truth. That is how we stop worrying about today and start living where we can seek his kingdom, where we can assist those in need, where we can share the good news of Jesus Christ. We sometimes struggle with that because we worry. What are people going to say? How are they going to respond? We already know how it's going to happen. Our job is just to do it. So we stay in today. So what about tomorrow? Let's wrap this up. How do we stop worrying about tomorrow? Well, tomorrow is tough, right? Because that's where a lot of us may be. We live in tomorrow. We don't live in today. We live in tomorrow. Well, Jesus did say in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 34, do not worry about tomorrow. Matthew 6, let me go back there. You can turn there with me, please. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And that is exactly right. doesn't matter how many books are written about this topic. Jesus said it, all right? Do not worry about tomorrow. Now, it is important to understand, while we're not to worry about tomorrow, we can still plan for tomorrow. He's not saying that we don't think about tomorrow or that we don't plan for tomorrow. Think about the, the example that Jesus used in Luke 14, right? About the men or the man who began to build, but he did not count the cost. So there has to be some kind of preparation and thinking about tomorrow. What about Joseph in Genesis chapter 40 and 41, where Pharaoh had the dream of the seven fat cows, the seven lean cows, and God would use Joseph to save up a third for seven years. Why? Because some lean times were coming. There's wisdom in thinking about tomorrow. But how we think about tomorrow is what is important. How we think about tomorrow. We don't worry about tomorrow. We can make plans and try to do the best that we can. But the best thing that we can do, or one of the best things we can do, is just focus on today. Let's see if we can actually get to tomorrow. So he says, yes, you don't worry about tomorrow. And yet, yeah, we have to make some plans. But as we do all of this, we still plan for tomorrow. And we recognize our trust is in God, not in riches. It's interesting When you go back to Matthew chapter 6, we already read verses 19 through 21 about where we lay up treasures on earth. I find it interesting that he's talking about this idea of treasures. In verse 22, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. Where is our focus? Where is our attention? If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And then before he talks about worry, he says in verse 24, excuse me, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Of all the comparisons, isn't it interesting he talks about money? It is wise for us to consider how we think about money, how we handle our money, and whether or not we are putting our trust in money. Too many times we may put our trust in the future with the money that we have or the money that we have invested or the money that will be coming, but that is no guarantee. And that's what Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And so he continues on 
with for this reason. He's continuing on with this idea. Do not be worried about your life. But that's one of the biggest things we worry about. How much money do I have for retirement? How much money do I have to travel? I love to travel. How much money do I have for my son's college education, for your children? Where's the money? Show me the money. It's all about the money, right? People flock to the money. And yes, we have to provide for our families. And yet there is a warning about money and whether or not we put our trust in money. Jesus did say, and we can't just talk it away, it is hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. That's what he said. So our trust in tomorrow is not in our riches. It's in God. He is the one that will provide us with our daily bread. So how do we stop worrying about tomorrow? Well, we've got to make sure we understand this. Where's our devotion? Is it to God or is it to our careers? God or to our bank account? God or to our riches? God or to our power? If it's anywhere else except God, you're not going to make it. I will not make it. Period. End of discussion. Here's something else that we can do. As we go into tomorrow, we go in with the understanding that God's the one in control, not me, not you. James chapter 4. James chapter 4 and verses 13 through 16. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Okay, you can do some planning. But remember this. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. And how true is that? We can put it in our full focus calendar. We can put it in our Google calendar. But we don't know what tomorrow is actually going to look like, right? You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. We view tomorrow with an understanding that God is the one that is in control. He knows the future. We do not. And when we start having that kind of life, we're going to sleep a lot better. We will stop all the worry because we'll cast our cares to God. And as we think about the future, as we think about tomorrow, there are things that we all have to acknowledge and understand and come to terms with. And one of the biggest worries sometimes is death. But the reality is, the Bible is very clear. Hebrews 9 and verse 27, As it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. We must understand and acknowledge and be comfortable with this reality that one day we will die. We can worry about death. When is it going to happen? How is it going to happen? But we know that it will happen one day. And... For us as Christians, we're not uninformed about what will happen after death. We will rise one day from the grave. And so this is one of the biggest fears that people have, and sometimes even Christians may struggle with this idea of death. But we don't have to worry about it. Here's why. We don't have to worry about it because if we have obeyed the gospel, we can be confident facing that day. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Have you done that? Have you been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins in water, immersed in water, believing that Jesus is risen from the dead, that he is the Son of God? There's great confidence in that. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. But for those who do believe, yes, I know death is going to come, and there's nothing I can do about it. 
I can prolong my days a little bit longer. Maybe you can too. But even that's not promised. But what is promised is the resurrection. What is promised is the hope of eternal life. And that is where our confidence is. We do not worry about tomorrow and what will happen tomorrow because tomorrow is not even here. And because God is in control. And when we come to terms with this and trust him, then we can stop worrying and start really living for him. Are you consumed with worry and fear? Peter said, cast your cares to him. And if you're not saved today, you don't have to leave here worried about your soul's salvation. You should be because tomorrow is not promised. Today is the day of salvation because you can do something about that situation right now. When I say you can do something, what I mean by that is you can obey and respond to what Christ has already done. He has already died for the sin of the world. And his grace is available for those who are willing to respond in obedience to him. That is what we all need to act upon. And then we start living for our king in heaven. If you are a child of God, can I beg and beg you to cast your cares to him today? To pray? To consume his word? To lean upon your brother and sister in Christ. There's sin that needs to be addressed. To address it the godly way, the the proper way. Not hiding it or denying it. Let's eliminate the worry. And let's start living for God. Come now. Let's stand and let's sing. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you are in the need or looking for more motivation in your life, feel free to check out my website, benjaminlee.blog, where you can find hundreds of encouraging motivational blog posts on a variety of subjects. You can find all of my books, which can also be found on amazon.com and other podcast interviews with a variety of people. I hope this helps. Please leave me a rating and a review. I can do and... So can you. Take care and God bless.